0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, and welcome to New Jersey's Education Forum, a blog talk radio show dedicated to to discussing the education issues important to school board members and others in the education community. Uh, It's also dedicated to bringing state educational leaders to the listener. Finally, we have designed the show so that the communication is just not one way. We encourage you to call in and ask questions. My name is Ray Penny, and I will be your host this morning. Uh, First, a couple of ground rules. We will not be using the chat room feature on the show today, Uh, so you can just ignore that on your webpage. Uh, If you are interested in calling in, a few things you should know. To call in, you dial 1-347-989-8904, and when you are ready to make a comment or ask a question, press number 1. Now will indicate my switchboard that you're ready to uh, talk. Uh, one other note, uh, we have a screener for our callers so that I know the topic and name of the caller that is coming in. Her name is Lauren. Um, finally, I probably will not be taking callers in the first three or four minutes. Uh, this past Tuesday, Governor Christie delivered a state-of-the-state address. Before this address, he had stated that 2011 would be the year of education reform. Because of that statement. Uh, some were anticipating some new proposals or, re, or a reform package, but from my perspective and view, I did not see any new concepts that the governor had not already proposed. Uh, the reform centered around choice, charter schools, tenure reform, teacher evaluations, uh no additional funding, uh, and possibly even less state aid. Though so that does not mean the change is not coming, because as the governor stated, so far we have changed the terms of the debate and I guess I would agree with the governor that the governor has changed the terms of the date, debate. Fortunately, this morning to discuss the governor's state of state address and the issues that school districts can expect to be dealing with are two of the hardest workers uh, in the halls of Trenton for education, uh, representing uh, the two edu- education associations, New Jersey School Board Association and NJEA. Uh, Mike Vancek is the director of governmental relations for New Jersey School Board Association. Welcome, Mike. Hello, Larry. Okay. Uh, and from the New Jersey Education Association, NJA, Director of Government Relations, is Ginger Goldschnitzer. Ginger, welcome. Thanks, Ray. All right. Um, actually, for my opening statement, I, I, I talked a little bit about it. Uh, my first question, though, uh, well, before I get to my first question, do you agree that the governor has changed in his one year that the terms of the debate on education in New Jersey of uh, Ginger, why don't you go first on that one?
2: Sure. I think the governor has definitely changed terms of the debate, but not unilaterally. I mean, let's face it, hard economic times, um, difficult state finances, I think have contributed to that debate just as much, to changing the terms of it, that is.
0: Okay, Mike, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with Ginger. I think that the, the economic situation is paramount, and the governor has, has really focused more on what we're getting for the money we're spending than where we should be looking to find additional revenues. And that is a, a paradigm shift that that's significant because for the last dozen years or so, most of the debate in, in, in education areas has been from a state budget perspective, how do we provide adequate resources?
1: Oh, great. Um, well, you know, Mike, your your thoughts really lead to my first question. uh um, As I was – I not only listened to him, I I read the transcripts. Uh, The governor indicated that he might seek some tax cuts. And then he said, we need to continue to examine the amount and structure of municipal and school aid programs. Should school districts be concerned that for next year, state
0: aid might be reduced again for those Uh, who are getting it? I think the answer to that is a definite yes. If if revenues are down across the board and and income tax revenues in particular are down – because of the nature of the ongoing economic problems, that's the main source of the money that comes from the state for public education. So if there's a reduction in, in, in income taxes in any way, it, it goes directly to the main source of revenue that, that goes into the pot that the state uses to pay their portion of school aid. So, yeah, it, it's it's a definite concern. Uh, would you concur with that, uh, Ginger?
2: Yeah, but, you know, school districts are not the only ones who should be concerned. I mean, parents, communities, anyone who cares about the future of New Jersey ought to be concerned. Let's face it, districts did everything they could last year to avoid staff and program cuts. And many districts are going to find that they just don't have enough duct tape to piece together a budget like that this year. And if there's another round of cuts, it's going to come straight out of the classroom. But there's a wild card here, and that's the court. You know, just the other day, the Supreme Court asked a special master to gather information to issue a report as to whether the governor's education cuts violate last year violate the T and E clause of the Constitution. And this time the burden's on the state to prove that it does not, not. So that should really throw a monkey wrench into the budget depending on how that comes out.
1: Yes, and uh and I like the it could be a wild card could be considered a legislature, particularly it's still a Democratic majority, and how would they look on a tax
0: cut? Mike, do you have any ideas well, on that one? Well, if if, we, if you hearken back to last year, the legislature, despite the, the governor's protest and eventual veto, did take action to extend the uh, the surcharge on on the uh, the highest income people in the state because they believed that it was appropriate given the economic downturn to provide a continuing revenue stream to support state spending. Um, I, I think that you know if in fact they had their druthers we wouldn't have the circumstance we have currently because they would have continued at least for the time being this the millionaire surcharge and i uh, agree with
2: you more mike i mean i think that the democrats you know um took a shot at trying to to increase the pie and put the state on better footing to meet its obligations and and their um their attempt has been rejected out of hand right and and i would
1: probably like to add that from the comments that I've heard from some of the the Democratic legislators is they feel that some of the cuts to education have been tough the last couple of years. So to me, it would seem that they may not support a tax cut if it meant less less revenue for school districts. Um, let's shift gears a little bit because one of the first things out of the governor's uh, mouth is school choice when he talks about reforming public education. And that can take a lot of forms: uh, charter schools, and uh, interdistrict choice, and vouchers. Um, let's get to uh, uh, charter schools. What's the NJA's position on charter schools, uh, Ginger?
2: First, Ray, let me just say that NJA wants all public schools to be successful. NJA supported the original charter school law back in 1996, and the amendments that were made to it a few years later. As lawmakers consider the expansion of charter schools, and clearly they are they need to keep in mind the purpose for which charter schools were created, and that is to be laboratories of innovation. You might not get that from the rhetoric around the debate, because the rhetoric around the debate seems to lead some people to believe that charters were intended to replace district schools, and nothing could be further from the truth. If we are serious about maximizing the effectiveness of charter schools in the delivery of quality public education, I think we need to do two things. I think we need to improve the articulation between district schools and charters. They need to communicate with each other. They need to learn from each other so that all students benefit. And, by the way, public schools, district schools, should not be let off the hook. They need to innovate as well, and many of them are, and we don't recognize it. And second, we need to assess and be realistic about the state's capacity to provide regular oversight, assessment, and evaluation of charter schools. I mean, the freedom to innovate should not be mistaken with the freedom from accountability. One of the reasons that NJA supported Senator Ruiz's legislation to um, expand the number of charter school authorizers was because we felt an underfunded, understaffed Department of Ed just simply didn't have the capacity to do the job the way we need to for all public schools, these charter schools, to be successful. Um, <coughs> Mike,
1: uh, your thoughts on uh, charter schools and the
0: school boards? Yeah, I, I think Ginger makes really good points. the The, the issue here is that, let's face it, um, there's there's almost a million and a half kids in public schools in New Jersey. Not quite, but but we're we're getting close to that threshold. There's just no way in the world, in the short or even the longer term, that you can just transfer all the students in public schools to charter schools. The, the point that Ginger made about these places being laboratories and opportunities to find new and innovative programs it is exactly why they were created. And we need to figure out which ones of those, which of those programs are working. And then as Ginger said, find a way to bring them back into the mainstream public education program. So charter schools and, and public schools should be working in concert. And I think that this idea that they're an alternative to public schools misses the entire point of, of why they've been set up. In addition, Ginger's second point, which I also agree with, is that there needs to be some way to determine how, how effective or not effective these schools are. People continually point to one or two charter schools in the state that have excellent track records, but what about the rest of them, and how how are we accounting for them? Are they successful in... in in direct proportion to the fact that they don't have to comply with some of the regulations that public schools do? I mean, these are the kinds of questions that, in, in the short and longer term, need to be addressed and clarified so that the public at large has a, has a clear picture of the differences that, that allow certain charter programs to excel at at, at times when people aren't paying attention to the, to the excellence in a lot of the public school programs out there. Uh, one of the points
1: Ginger brought up, Uh, was uh, the laboratories for innovation and the learning from each other. Would that work better if a district could start its own charter school, possibly? Well, I
0: mean, I I think we've talked about, in the context of the the legislation that's pending, to to expand the number of charter school authorizers. We believe that local boards of education should have the ability to authorize charter schools and, and to use them as alternatives or instances to, to address educational issues within their districts that, that would be best addressed by, by creating a, a, a subset of their current educational program. The idea that charter schools are in competition with the public schools is not why they were created, and, and the, 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 the whole spirit of this discussion is about kids aren't doing well in failing schools, so we have to create an alternative. I think the discussion has to come back to the focus on how we can broaden the educational spectrum to find ways to get the best programs for for all these students. Remember, charter schools are public schools. They're they're largely funded with public dollars. So to the extent that we're talking about expanding the public school continuum, we want to be there at the forefront, and, and local boards of education have a vested interest in making sure that if this is an option that works in their individual districts, they should be front and center. And most of the other states that have charter school authorization allow local districts to run and operate charter schools. Uh, I, I got an email uh,
1: earlier this morning on charter schools, and I wanted to touch on this one. Uh, the governor mentions it for its districts or areas where there's failing, but we have charter schools in school districts that are no one would consider failing. Is that a different animal? Particularly since in a lot of those districts, it's really property taxpayers, and not state. Uh, it's not state funds supporting it. Um, Ginger, your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think it's a disingenuous um, use of the debate about charter school, or part part of the debate about charter schools. Like like Mike was saying, and, and we agree on this. Charter schools are about innovation, and they're not meant to replace public schools, and they're not meant to district schools. That is. Because charter schools are public public schools, and they're not and they're not meant to to be an alternative just because the school's failing. We have charter schools in Princeton. We have charter schools in <clears throat> some of the best districts in this state. And you know, I, I think that it just accepts that there are that you want to create more opportunity for children. You want to have an op- You want to create opportunity to try things on a small scale that may not be possible or may not be logical to um to bring to a big district. And and, and this gives you a place a place to do that. Um to say that this is a a way to avoid to, to, to take kids out of failing schools, I think we all have to roll up our sleeves and work at schools that are underperforming and work with schools that are struggling, not abandon them. That's not what this debate should be about.
1: Uh, Mike, anything on the charter schools in
0: areas that are not failing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the issue of, of of charter schools in some places in the state it, it simply has to be addressed from the vantage point of is it the wisest expenditure of, of of public dollars if 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 a public school system is offering great programs for the students within the district to create a charter school almost an, on an arbitrary basis that that is is providing an alternative that's not necessarily needed or it it competes with and diminishes the public school program, um, it's problematic. And I think there needs to be some some kind of litmus test from a financial perspective. If a district can provide a great educational program and, and creating a charter school is going to diminish the ability of that district to continue that excellence, is it is it worth it? Is it is it more cost effective for the district to continue as it is, or would it benefit the kids ultimately from a from a, a purely dollar perspective in the, in the tight fiscal times we find ourselves in to have a, a separate charter program? I mean, I think you you shouldn't create charter schools arbitrarily, and I think that the idea that in in some parts of the state that have some of the best educational programs not just in New Jersey, but maybe in, in, in the entire country, one has to question whether or not the charter school as an alternative is 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 absolutely necessary.
1: All right, I'm going to move away from charter schools, and we could talk all day about those. Um, the governor also, and he was pretty adamant about this, wants the legislature to pass the Opportunity Scholarship Act. I think most people in education consider it a voucher legislation. Uh, This is one where both NJSBA and I know NJA are probably in agreement on uh, opposing it, or we have in the past versions. Uh, Ginger, the bill is sponsored by a Democratic State senator, and it's endorsed by a Republican governor. Uh, Do you think uh, it has a chance to move this year?
2: It shouldn't if legislators are serious about improving public schools for all children. This bill strips away hundreds of millions in tax dollars at a time when public schools are already facing deep, deep budget cuts. And then, to make matters worse, the state will turn around and give this money to unaccountable private and religious schools while doing nothing to improve New Jersey schools in need of assistance and support. So if you look at it from that perspective, no, this bill shouldn't move. Unfortunately, in Trenton, as we all know, uh, sometimes the merits of a debate don't always win the day. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the Opportunity Scholarship Act?
0: the 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 financial issue is 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 the overarching main concern for me i think the the idea that that this allows a portion of general fund revenues to be diverted from public education to someplace else is 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 a major issue at a time when admittedly there's not enough money to fund the current school aid formula. The idea that they're going to create a separate bureaucracy to administer this money outside the mainstream of public education i e this money would be spent and accounted for through the department of treasury as opposed to the department of education is another red flag and thirdly i mean we've got a long standing history of opposing any public money for private schools there are plenty of people in new jersey who send their kids to public or private schools but gladly pay for the public schools because they realize that everybody is not as fortunate as them to be able to provide for the for the cost of of private school education and this this idea of creating a a competition for state revenues for for public versus private schools is one that we just can't support. I think the the other thing is that there's just so so such an unclarity in terms of the parameters of how this program would work. In theory, money that goes into this opportunity scholarship fund would be available to students in certain districts almost as a blank check that they could use to go to school virtually wherever they wanted to. And it just raises a a whole second round of questions about how that works. How do the kids get from where they are to the district they want to go to? Who provides the transportation costs? What if those kids have special needs and the district that they want to go to or or demand to go to doesn't have programs to accommodate those special needs? There's just a whole host of questions that that we've talked with the sponsors about and their attitude is, well, initially it's a pilot and these are all great questions. I guess we'll solve them as we go along. That doesn't sound to me like the way we should be moving forward.
2: But um, Excuse me, Ray, but, Mike, by the way, I don't know if you heard, but there's going to be amendments to this bill. Well, that's the other
0: I, thing. That was my we, next we, question. We don't even know what, what the final version of a bill that's going to be heard in a committee next week even looks like. I, I've so this heard, is, though, this is,
2: that it, the new version will eventually provide vouchers for up to 40,000 students in only eight districts. And the cost of it's going to rise. I mean, it was I think originally like 360 million. I think we're going much closer to the billion mark. You know, I don't I don't think anyone's I don't think you've mentioned it yet, but the at least the version of the bill that I'm familiar with, um, it it would allow students currently in currently enrolled in a private school to also get some of this money. So, That's if this bill nice. was really intended to provide opportunity and choice to parents in um, what the governor might call chronically failing public schools, then why are we giving part of this money to people who are already in those private schools?
0: Uh, I, I think so
1: they've already made their decision. They've already sent their kids to private school, and so this is just uh,
0: an additional check for them. And, and it also provides an opportunity for, for as I said before, for private schools to get additional public subsidies, um, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of private schools that that are marginally operating now in the current economy as well, who probably have have cost drivers that that have increased and are looking for ways to find additional resources. And the idea that public money should be funding them is just not one we can support. So no, I like you know and I, I'm. I'm
2: I'm with you on the money on the money argument of course that that's a very um it's an overarching concern, particularly in in times like these when when there just doesn't seem to be uh, enough money to fund public schools to the extent authorized by the law. but I also want to bring out that this bill is just totally at odds with the demand for growing accountability at the state and federal level. I mean, public schools must meet rigorous state and federal standards in testing, special education. Certification and and lots of other accountability measures. Private schools don't have to meet these same requirements, and yet we're giving them those same public dollars through this bill. So
1: this will be an issue that both associations, probably almost everyone in the education community, will be uh, opposing and and opposing strongly. I suppose. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I absolutely. I, I think that you know the idea that if there are schools that aren't doing well, uh, depriving them of resources. It seems to me counterintuitive in terms of helping those schools to improve. If if a, if a school should be closed, it's that bad, then, then why is it still open? And, and, and I think chances are most of the schools that aren't doing well, if if you really got down and examined what, what, what some of their issues are, taking the money away from those schools is not going to help them.
1: Okay, I'm going to move on from this issue. This is another one that is a show in and of itself. Uh, Well, I guess the kumbaya moment will probably end a little bit here, because I'm going to get to the issue, uh, some of the labor management issues that the governor brought up. And one of the ones that he brought up, and he brought up again at the town hall, is tenure reform. I know uh, NJSBA strongly advocates uh, the elimination of lifetime tenure, uh, and NJ has proposed some changes, uh, but believes lifetime tenure is necessary. Uh, Mike, why don't you explain NJSBA's
0: position? Basically, what what we've supported for for a, a fairly long period of time is the idea of doing away with lifetime tenure as it currently exists and replacing it with a a series of renewable contracts. Under the under our our perspective, teachers would would have a, a five year interim period. At which they, they they'd serve in a, in a I guess a provisional capacity. At, at the completion of five years, assuming they, they they met the appropriate evaluation requirements, they'd be granted a five year contract. At the end of each five year period, that contract would expire, and they they would be subject to review, and and it, it, the expectation would be that they'd receive a new five year contract. But at, at, at a regular interval during the course of a teacher's career if if their performance by whatever the the collective decision is about how that performance will be measured is 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 not what it what it, it is consistent with standards for all the other teachers, then the contract would would perhaps not be renewed.
1: Ginger, uh NJA I know NJA came out with a proposal in this area. Do you want to talk to that?
2: Sure, but first, right? you know, I have tremendous respect for you, but I think your question's a little bit misleading. The only job I know of that comes with lifetime tenure is that of a U.S. Supreme Court justice. Let's, let's call tenure what it is. It's a fair dismissal process, period. Many have complained that this fair dismissal process takes too long and costs too much. That's why, that's why NJA has proposed taking tenure cases out of the court system and putting them in the hands of arbitrators. Um, They did something like this similarly in Massachusetts uh, many years ago, and it's worked wonderfully for both sides. As to why tenure is needed, let us not forget that these are public jobs. Billions of dollars are spent on doing perhaps the most important work a civilized society has, educating, educating its children. When you look at the amount of resources allocated and the gravity of this mission, it is clear that that the education of our children should not be left vulnerable to cronyism, favoritism, and political patronage. And and just to respond to to Mike's um, um, suggestion about the evaluation, evaluation is very important. And I don't don't want any of, of your listeners to think that teachers are not evaluated throughout their career. Prior to receiving tenure, and right now they earn tenure after three years and a day, um, prior to earning tenure, they're evaluated a minimum of three times a year, but could be evaluated as much as the administrators feel they need to be, so they could be uh, evaluated nine times a year if if, if that's what's, if that 's what the folks doing evaluations believe is necessary once they're, uh, once they 're tenured, teachers are evaluated every year, so I think a five year look back on um, on, on, on a teacher 's performance uh, would actually be less of a safeguard. Uh, about the quality of, of the educators in the classroom than we have right now under the current system.
1: Mike, you want to respond to that?
0: Yeah, I guess I guess the, the, the track record that we're looking at is the number of teachers who, who have passed that 3 years and one day threshold who ultimately are dismissed for, for whatever reason. Um, and, and, and I think that, for the most part, I, I would say that 99.9% of the teachers – are really great at what they do and, and, and continue to do better. But the fact is that for for purposes of this discussion, there there aren't any other public employees that I'm aware of that have the same kind of a circumstance. Uh, I mean, uh, there's been some discussion about civil service, but I, I don't think even civil service go, goes as far as, as the, the kind of job protection that, that tenure affords. Um, I, I think that, when we've talked to board members, consistently, one of the things—and we've we've been at this for 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 more than a decade in terms of advocating our our perspective on on what tenure should look like—it um, it comes down to the concerns that districts have. And Ginger makes a good point about the cost of the dismissal process. But um, the idea that that because you've worked three years in a day, um, you should have Pretty much job protection for 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 the balance of your career is not something that we believe is is appropriate anymore.
2: You define uh, it as job protection, and I would say that we would just say that is just a fair dismissal process. Period. You can get you can you can remove any tenured teacher from the classroom. All you need to do is provide the due process that the law requires.
0: Uh, I guess I guess the concern is that that due process often becomes extremely costly and especially now, I I submit that a lot of districts are unwilling to to expend the resources that that they believe are are necessary given what they need to cover the cost of their school district operations. In an ideal world, uh, if districts had unlimited resources, I I think things might be different, But, but it's not an ideal world and there aren't unlimited resources.
2: And I think that's one of the reasons why NJEA made the proposal that it did, because our proposal will take and, – and, by the way, we, we were part – we supported changes that streamlined tenure, I think it was back in 1998. I might be wrong about the year. Um, but uh, we could take what's now on average a nine-month process and probably cut it in half and make it a four-month process, and we can reduce the cost significantly by pulling this out of the courts and putting it in the hands of arbitrators. And I think that that's good for everybody.
1: Uh. Ginger, you mentioned it, and Mike also mentioned it. To have tenure reform, it's really tied to the evaluation uh, or the process for evaluating teachers. There's a task force right now looking at that. Uh, what are your thoughts on how what that task force is doing and how that might eventually affect any tenure reform proposals? Who wants to go first on this
0: one?
3: Well, uh, I, I, I guess.
0: The... Go ahead. Go ahead, Ginger.
2: Oh, okay, I don't care, Mike. You want, I'll jump in the pool unless you want to go first. No, go ahead. I'll go ahead. Okay, NGE, let, let, let's just establish some some, some groundwork on, on, on evaluation. Our viewpoint is that we need to have a strong evaluation system in place that looks at multiple measures of both student achievement and teacher effectiveness. Unfortunately, many of the proposals that are being discussed by this task force would make student test scores the primary component of evaluation. Anyone who looks at the research on this will know that the research is clear. It's the wrong approach to teacher evaluation. Relying on test scores, and I think the governor has told this commission that they have to come out with something that requires at least 50% of a teacher's evaluation to be on test scores. We know that basing it on test scores is both unreliable and likely to lead to a lot of negative educational outcomes for students. What New Jersey needs and what I hope the task force will look at is is a comprehensive, research-based approach to teacher evaluation, so that when we make so that we make critical decisions based on the best information, not just on the information that's easiest to find.
0: Mike, yeah, I think that that we haven't been directly involved in what the task force is doing, and they haven't had uh, any kind of public forums, at least thus far. So we're anxiously awaiting what the, what the results and what their recommendations are. But I think that clearly we want to make sure that we have a, a, a standard of, of measuring teacher performance that that is state of the art and 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 reliable in terms of determining whether individual teachers are performing to the degree that they're expected to, to the extent that that. We want to make sure that students are learning. We want to make sure that some portion of the evaluation, and I'm not wedded to 50%, but I believe that some portion of the evaluation criteria has to include a measure of how well or not well students that the teachers are charged with are doing. Um, and I think that there there's a lot of, of good data out there. And as Ginger said, I would hope that that this task force, is, is availing themselves of all the research and information that's available to come up with a measure that that will will drive the discussion about how you do tenure reform in the context of building in a a model that, that that's fair and appropriate and considers everything, including how well students are doing in the in the context of the educational environment, uh, would probably be a starting point.
2: Yeah, and Mike, let me agree that you know. Um, that that student that student performance on tests has to be a part of of uh, a teacher's evaluation. I would submit to you that it already is. I mean, teachers are evaluated, like I said in our discussion about tenure, every year, and um, it's foolish to think that the administrators doing those evaluations don't consider test scores. I think it's a question of of, of degree and what other multiple measures that they're looking at, and um, there is a lot of research on this. I love the idea of public hearings, I'm not sure that we're going to see them. And and like the School Boards Association, the New Jersey Education Association was not invited to participate in the task force. Uh, in fact, I think the task force is very light on educators with practical experience in the classroom.
1: I think the chair did indicate he's going to send letters to all the education associations. I do not know if they have received those yet. I, I take it that we
0: haven't. Uh, I have not seen anything.
1: Ginger and Mike, uh, the Senate, Ed, ha- held some meetings on uh, tenure reform, and the uh, chair committee, uh committee, Senator Ruiz, indicated that she'll be putting some legislation through, and some polls even indicate, at least polls that I've seen, that the majority of people, uh, New Jerseyans, support some type of tenure reform. And uh, d- Despite your arguments, uh, uh Ginger, you said it yourself, sometimes the merit of the argument doesn't always count, do you think there will be something that will happen this year, uh, and if so, how quickly?
2: Yeah, I, I think something will happen this year. I think, you know, we're not only seeing it here in New Jersey, but sort of this is this is a national – this is becoming a national focal point. Um, I think that, that, you know, race to the top – Um, has, and the Obama administration's policies have helped spur the discussion. And unfortunately, I think economics, the, the national and state economies have driven this discussion as well. I don't know that the, that, that the economics have an appropriate place in these decisions, but neither here nor there. Voters clearly want change. The question is, what kind of change do they want? We, I'll be honest with you. NJ, we did some polling on this too. Uh, and what we've learned is that the, the public wants the process to take less time and to cost less. But the public also overwhelmingly supports a fair process. They I strongly think we've support process. second, Ginger. Yep. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah. Now I hear you. We lost you for okay. a second.
2: What I was saying is that the the public. Hello. I, mean, I lost well,
1: you again, Ginger. Are
2: you still there, Ray? Can you hear me?
1: Now, for those who are teachers, I'm not cutting her off on purpose or anything. Uh, <laughs> I think we lost G- Ginger for a second. We'll try She's to get her there, back. She's still
2: there, Ray. I'm um, still here. Can you hear for me?
1: For those who are. <coughs> Mike, you hear calling, me, right? Numbers, 1- yeah, I do. seven nine eight nine eight nine oh four When Ginger gets back, we'll uh, get back to her. Uh, but we do have a caller, so I'll take her question, and it's, Rose- it's Rosemary from Evesham. Rosemary, what was your question?
3: Hi, Ray.
1: How are you? Hi. Hi. How are you, Good. Rosemary?
3: Good. Um. Actually, I can still hear Ginger and Mike, so um, I'm surprised you can't hear them.
0: Yeah, we can hear you, too, Rosemary.
3: Oh, okay. We'll just talk outside of Ray. No, I can hear you. You can can hear me. Rosemary, you can tell him
2: how profound my answer was. It was very
1: good. (laughs) Uh, Well, really, you answered. I will take your word for it, Ginger, that it was profound. Uh, Rosemary, (laughs) your question?
3: Uh, Actually, you guys kind of touched upon it. It was more about uh, um, more people being involved in the whole process on the discussion of education reform and the whole, you know, tenure reform and what we've moved forward. You know, that task force doesn't have a lot, as you already talked about, you you guys don't have a lot of people. Like, we're not involved. Not a lot of school board members are. Not a lot of teachers. Not a lot of public. So, but I think we all need to be part of that discussion. So, um, I agree on that point. But I do think, you know, um, yeah, it is sad, but I do think you guys are all right about the public um, wanting some type of 10-year reform. What that is, um, you know, we could all argue on what it is at the end of the day, but we do need to address it. Um, so I'm sorry, you you did answer my question. But can I change the subject maybe and talk about federal uh, jobs money? Yeah, go
1: ahead, Rosemary. I'll let you have the, the that uh, opportunity.
3: Oh, um, does anyone has anyone heard whether or not in you know the governor Christie is thinking about taking our state aid the money that we got for the federal jobs money last in this current budget he told us to hey set it aside and not use it and but i'm wondering is that federal jobs money going to be taken as part of our, a reduction in state aid for this upcoming budget has anyone heard anything
0: um mike do you want to take that one i i, I have not heard anything i think that the governor's budget address will be on February 22nd, and, and he he said that in his State of the State address that he would leave some of the specifics of, of what he termed as ongoing fiscal discipline to be fleshed out in his budget address. And I think it's just speculation now to, to say that, that that's going to occur. I, I don't think that anybody wants that to happen, including people in the administration. A lot will ultimately depend on what the state's revenue stream looks like. I think
2: Mike makes the, the the great points here. I would I would just add that if that is actually what happens, I think it's a misuse of the federal
0: funds. Yeah, the feds may have something to say about taking these these dollars in lieu of state dollars.
2: Oh,
1: that's uh, a good point. Okay. Uh, any other comments, Rosemary?
3: Uh, do you want me to ask some more questions?
1: <laughs> no. You know, I I think you used your two. So.
3: Uh, okay. uh, but did Thank you have an you.
1: issue that you, Okay, I'll just put you on hold. You can still listen. Um, one is, and this isn't directly related to school districts, uh, but it is related directly. I know to Ginger's membership, and and that was the issue of uh, pension and benefit reform. Um, the governor's talking about it. The Democrats are putting proposals out on that. Um, from my perspective, that might have a impact maybe not directly but indirectly on retirements and and things of that sort. Uh how do you see pension and benefit reform playing into uh school budgets next year? Uh Mike,
0: I I guess if if there is an upturn, a dramatic upturn in the number of people in 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 the public sector including teachers who opt to retire because they're they're at or near retirement age, and they believe that it's in their best interest financially to leave now, um, that may have an impact on, on what happens in local school district budgets in terms of what staff they can afford. Because if you assume that people who retire are at the high end of the pay scale, chances are their replacements will be people who are at, at the entry level, and districts may find that, that tight budgets are, are a little bit more flexible. But that's all speculation
2: and and if that if that ends, ends up being the case you face districts experiencing a brain drain you know there's a wealth of talent right. and experience there people should make retirement decisions based on their 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 personal finances and their, their 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 personal goals um they shouldn't be scared out of their jobs and i'm afraid that the rhetoric around this topic has created an environment that has really spooked a lot of dedicated career public public educators. I think as we as we look at, at at pension and benefits reform, we need to focus on three things. First, is it legal? Second, does it really improve the long-term stability of the fund? I mean, like they've made a number of changes to the pension system in the last 3 years or so, and uh, apparently it hasn't really had an impact on the fund and here we are at the table again. And three, if it calls for sacrifice is that sacrifice really being shared? I mean, the state has failed to do its part, and you've heard this before, for at least 13 of the last 17 years. The governor is out there sounding the alarm about saving the system, but he put nothing in the pension fund this year. And, in, and, and he eliminated the relatively paltry contribution that Corzine had, and the legislature had approved for the previous fiscal year. So he talks a lot about shared sacrifice, but then every solution he comes with seems to reduce benefits and increase costs for workers and ignores the fact that in the pension battles over the last three years, our members have agreed to increase their pension contribution, and our members have taken uh, decreased benefit levels, and we've tiered our pension system two, three times already.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more that the idea that people's retirement decisions shouldn't be based on them being scared out of their jobs and i think that this this current economic environment has a lot of people really concerned about you know what their future personally is going to look like and that's 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 a difficult position to be in and public sector employees are 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 being blamed in large part for a lot of the problems that 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 governments face and clearly they're they're big cost drivers but um are are they the overarching reason why the national economy is in decline. I, I, I think not. And, and this is this is a, a, a going to be a difficult series of discussions, and it's going to have an impact, I think, far beyond state and local governments. I agree. People,
1: I, I would agree that, uh, at least from what I'm hearing, is people are uh, making decisions not because they want to teach two or three more years, but basically because of state policy. And they have to look at their own personal finances, and they may retire now because that's the best deal they feel they can get. Um, so let's uh, move on. You know, we mentioned earlier, when we started off, we talked about state aid, and but we also talked about what might be happening in school budgets this year. Because You know, if you remember back in the June and July in the summer, they had the compromise in the 2% cap, which I always thought was funny because it was between 2.9 and 2.5, and then the compromise is 2. I'm not really sure how that math works. Uh, but that's New Jersey math. What are your thoughts on how your anticipation of what the budgets, or school budgets, are going to look like with a two percent cap this year, which with less uh, uh, exemptions?
2: I think we're looking and at less Ginger? opportunity for students. I'm sorry, Ray. I jumped the gun. I yeah. think we're looking at a lot less opportunities for our students. I mean, think about what happened in the last year. I think I said this in the first when, when we started the discussion that you know that admin that school boards. Um, worked hard and put together budgets with duct tape, and and did their best. Um, and they're probably out of uh, out of magic, you know, rabbits to pull out of hats. Last year, uh, in spite of that, last year places like Egg Harbor cut their Spanish program. Elmwood Park lost woodshop and and French. Brielle lost band and computer classes. Free, Freehold no longer has a math team um, because of the cuts last year there are more than 5,400 fewer teachers educating our kids. That's meant larger classes in many places. And there are almost 10,000 fewer people educating, supporting, and keeping our kids safe at school. Um, flat state aid and revenue caps that, that impair the community's ability to provide the resources that the community believes their, their kids need does not make the job of excellence in education any easier. I think the, the men and women... Who 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 you know volunteer on school boards and who work in our schools are dedicated and they're going to give their all to make sure that that mission stays on course. But you know another another year with with a cap and and flat or or God forbid reduced funding, that mission's in jeopardy. You know, playing how low can you go? Gambles not only with our children's future but frankly with our
0: state's future. Mike, I I think this this two percent cap is is going to bring into to sharp focus the sustainability of of our current public education system. Everybody wants us to have the best public school system and and the the best opportunities for our our next generation of leaders. Um, The question becomes, how do we pay for it? There's a sense on the part of people in the state legislature and taxpayers generally that the burden of, of property taxes is is something that is isn't sustainable from the state budget perspective the state spends nearly one out of every 3 dollars on 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 school aid um to the extent that the revenue stream isn't there something's got to give but this 2% levy cap i think is going to force a discussion very quickly because i think in the context of of other states who have who have gone here Massachusetts California there was a dramatic increase in the amount of state revenue that was pumped into public schools when when there was a, 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 an extreme limit placed on what local taxpayers could, could use to subsidize their local school systems. In this context, um, you know the, the candle's being burned at both ends, and I think that we'll quickly see the kinds of things that Ginger talked about, where districts are going to have to make really difficult decisions about what programs they keep and what programs they 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 don't keep, or try and find alternate revenue streams from foundations or or fee programs for sports, et cetera. But I mean, I think those are kinds of band-aids. The the bigger question will be, in 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 a, in a broad context, what type of public education do do we want in the state? What should it cost, and how we should pay for it? And this is going to accelerate that discussion, I think.
1: And I would like to add that the 2% is on the tax levy. So in some districts where they have 50%, 75% of their state aid, they're not really going up 2% in their budget. They're going up even less. And those are the same districts that are probably uh, the ones looking at voucher programs and such. Uh, so they could have lost revenue in a, in a harder cap than some of the other districts. Um I think uh, that will bring us to the end uh, of our uh, program here. Uh, do you have any final comments, Ginger?
2: I just want to thank you for the opportunity to to have a chance to talk with your listeners on the podcast, and I want to thank you for doing the show and, you know, um, giving air to important education issues.
1: Well, you'll be, you know, I'll welcome you back any time. Uh, this is not 101.5. Um
0: <laughs> Mike, any comments? Yeah, I I, I share Ginger's comments. I think that this is important stuff, and, and I think that this is just you know sort of skimming the surface of of, of a discussion that that needs to continue in, in a much broader context. I think what's most important for us, and this is a, a great way to do it, is to get everybody engaged in a discussion with with the facts before them, and and you know the the best the best systems, the best governments are the ones where the, the largest percentage of the people are engaged and understand the issues and, and work with their legislative representatives to make the right decisions for the largest number of people, and that's that's what this goes to. So it's 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 a good thing, and I appreciate it.
1: Okay, uh, that brings us to the close. I'd like to thank Ginger and uh, Mike for joining me. Uh, I said in the beginning that they're two of the hardest workers and intelligent people in the edu- 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 representing education in Trenton, and I think you could see why. Um, We've covered a lot of topics, and actually, from my perspective, a lot of these topics, like tenure reform, uh, education funding, uh, charter schools, all deserve a show of their own, and which I anticipate attempting to do over the next couple of months. Uh, so thank you, Mike and Ginger for joining me. And to the listeners, uh, thanks for tuning in. And if you have an issue or a speaker that you think would be good in this format, please contact me via email at r.penny, P-I-N-N-E-Y, at njsba.org. And thank you for joining New Jersey's Education Forum. And that will bring us to the end of our show. And uh, right now.